This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're talking about Moses today. Let's take a closer look. Hey, love that. Love that. Yeah, I don't know. It just kind of came to me earlier. Yeah, (laughs) it's great. We are talking about Moses, but more specifically, we're talking about Moses' mothers, plural. Plural. Well, yeah, he gets two, doesn't he? He does get two. That is true. Um, and if if having one good mother isn't enough, I mean, spoiled rotten little brat gets two great moms. Yeah. Um, that's that's insane to me. Um, I mean, there are so many people that long for in their lives one good mother maternal figure. Yeah. And Moses gets two. Yeah. Um, so By the way, to all the mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. We love you. We appreciate you and all you do. Yeah. Um, just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. Thank you so much for all that you do. You got it yesterday, but you're getting it again today. Um, so Because this is a Mother's Day podcast. It is, well, it is. It's following out, up from Mother's Day, yeah. It, it is detailing out your story from yesterday, which... Yeah. Um, which I don't... Moms. Yeah. I mean, this podcast exists because when you're only doing a 12-minute sermon, there's not enough time to, to detail, detail it all out. And so it does feel a bit like moms were a footnote, and they're not supposed to be. No. So This is Mother's Day. Yeah. And I'm sure we're recording this beforehand, but I'm sure our conversation, our transformative moment after the story will be dedicated to moms. Of course it should. Um, But there's no reason we can't celebrate moms on the Monday after either. Yeah. Well, happy Mother's Day. Absolutely. Anyways, so, well, he's taking a sip. So we're in Exodus going to be. Well, not quite. Oh, well, okay. so because remember we're using Hebrews as our as the basis our, as well as our kind of lens through which we're looking at all these yeah. texts. And if you're following along in Hebrews 11, you realize we skipped the Abraham and Isaac story. It's a very valuable story. I'm not negating that. I just needed to move beyond it for calendar purposes. Right. I needed to get to a place where I could talk about moms on Mother's Day. And we need to we need to wrap this series up pretty quick. We're gonna wrap it up in two weeks. Got some other um, good stuff coming. Yeah, we're gonna talk about some more women. Mm-hmm. Mo woman. I'm actually super excited for that. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you haven't been around Wellhouse very long, you know that one of my passions as a pastor is to provide a space for women to flourish in ministry. Because that just doesn't seem to be available to most women in in most congregational settings, yeah. and so I want to dedicate the summer to talking talking about, about and affirming women and their calling. And women, you are so more va- so much more valuable than just making sandwiches in the kitchen. And I want <laughs> you to know that. And um, taking care of children. 
And I want to show you that from the Bible. I want to show you that Jesus thinks you're more valuable than that. I want to show you that your husbands should think you're more valuable than that. I want to show you that your work and the Holy Spirit within you thinks you're more valuable than that. Well, and that's coming up. So that's a teaser. Tuned. That's yeah. a teaser. Stay tuned. So if you are following along in Hebrews 11, you know I skipped the Abraham and Isaac story. Intentional, but don't read into it. It's just for calendar purposes. If I had more time, I totally would have preached that text. I do think it's a valuable text, and I think it's a valuable story because, as we've talked about on here or other podcasts before, I think the main thing that comes from that story is that God would never ask us to do something he himself has not done. Yeah. He can't ask Abraham to sacrifice his own son because he hasn't sacrificed his yet. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'll preach that one day. So to the OG listeners today, you'll you'll know what's coming when that when that story comes around. Yeah, you're lucky if you're listening now. <laughs> yeah. But so we skip ahead to Moses and Hebrews eleven twenty three says, By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months after his birth, because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So really interesting. The way the author of Hebrews puts this, and I don't get a chance to detail it out in the story, but it's interesting that the author of Hebrews says because he was beautiful. Exodus 2 doesn't tell us that. Yeah. They hide him because he's a boy. Yeah. And the king's edict is to kill all the Hebrew males because the Egyptians are afraid of the Israelites rising up. They're reproducing too fast. And so the Egyptian king makes this edict to kill all the males. So it's not about the fact that he's beautiful. But yet here in Hebrews, it's added that because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. It's clear that they're not afraid of the king's edict. But I just think it's interesting because in Exodus, we're not told that he's beautiful. I wonder... I don't know. I need to think about this a little bit more, but I wonder if that is um, just the author of Hebrews trying to say something about the fact that um, maybe maybe some sort of like uh, spiritual warfare type thing. He was beautiful in that he was going to serve the Lord and the enemy was going to try to like well, kill him I think- early. Yeah, it's possible. I, don't know. I think more of what it is is because in the Exodus text, we're told that he's a fine baby, or my Hebrew is not great. If there are any Hebrew scholars listening, help me. But uh, uh, a well-structured baby, like he would have made a great warrior, as is evidenced by his later narrative where he kills the soldier. So he looked like Eli as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you haven't if you haven't met my son yet, if you haven't had the privilege of meeting my son Elijah James, uh, boy stout, <laughs> yeah. ain't playing around. Uh, Proud uncle right here. Yeah, dudes. <laughs> he built a uh, hundred percentile in every category that is possible for a three and a half year old. Um. So I don't brag about my kid, but uh, he's also bragging often. about his yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah, I don't brag about my kid very often, but bragging about my kid. Um, yeah, he he built kind of like Eli. Yeah, uh, and so I think that's maybe what's going on. Um, 
I just think beautiful is a really interesting like interpretation kind of, of what the Hebrew is telling us in Exodus 2. Yeah. But yeah, so the backstory on this is is that the Egyptians are worried about an uprising from the Israelites, and so they decide to kill the males, all the males that are born to the Israelites. They send Egyptian midwives to help birth the Israelites. And the midwives are instructed that any time a boy is born, that they're supposed to kill it. Now, there's a problem because the midwives, uh, I need to find the verse here. The midwives come back to the king that... um, Yeah, so here, the midwives don't kill the boys. And so in Exodus 1, verse 18, the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives come to them. <laughs> so it's this really weird deal. I don't know if, if they're just lying or what's happening here, but they're like, yeah, we're not killing the kids. And so the king changes his edict and says, all right, all male babies that are born Hebrew descent are to be thrown in the Nile River, but every girl can live. And it's out of that narrative that we're introduced to Moses. And we're told that Moses' father is a man from the house of Levi, and he marries a Levite woman. So... Once can again, I, can I hit the pause button? Real yeah, quick? you can. I would love to to make a note of this. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> In verse twenty or chapter one, verse twenty, right after um, the midwives are like, because the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. Yeah. Immediately after, in verse twenty, it says, "So God dealt w- well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong." Yeah, they played a very important role yeah. there. Um. Just going back to the the, the women thing and the, yeah. the mom thing, um, clearly these midwives played a very important role in God's overall narrative. Oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, no. Um, absolutely. So, here's the interesting thing. We're introduced into this narrative about Moses and the first person we're introduced to is actually Moses' father, a man from the house of Levi. We're not given his name here. Uh, there are other places where we get the genealogy and we kind of know who he is, but here we're not given his name. The rest of the narrative is about his mother. Yeah. He's not mentioned again. And it's all about the courage and strength of his mother. Now, sure, Moses' dad is around, but it's all about the courage of his mother. The text says, The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, uh, she got a basket, and she kind of pads it with some things, and she sets him along the banks of the river caught in these reeds. Uh, Think of it kind of similar to like miniature bamboo kind of thing, a pretty stout reed. So that's not going to go down the river too quickly. Um, and as the narrative goes, his sister is kind of just hanging around. 
and correct me, listeners, if I if I'm wrong in this, if if my historical knowledge is incorrect, but I'm pretty sure that for Egyptians, um, reeds are like a sign of peace. Hmm. I don't um, know. That might be true because, like, they're the the good afterlife or one of the good afterlifes in mm. the in the Egyptian pantheon is the field of reeds. That's really interesting because they all die in the Reed Sea. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Red Sea. No, no, no. Technically, it's called the Reed Sea. Oh. We call it the Red Sea, but Hebraically, it's the Reed Sea. Oh. And ancient culture wise, it's the Reed Sea. Yeah, that's super interesting. But correct yeah. me if I'm if I'm wrong. It's on a that. little ironic, but yeah, correct me if I'm wrong on that. But like, I'm I'm pretty sure that that's true. If it does represent peace, maybe God was trying to show him like, hey, you're not living out peace. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just an interesting thing there. Um, that's a little humorous. But so Moses' sister is kind of hanging around, and you know, I point this out. This is the point that I do point out pretty heavily in the in the story is that it takes immense faith on the part of Moses's mother to hide this baby for three months. Yeah, that's a long time. I mean you think you want to think about something that's truly uncontrollable. A it's an baby. infant child. Yeah, yeah. An infant, they don't they don't know if somebody's coming to search the home. They don't know how to genuinely be quiet when they're in danger. Yeah. Um and just think about... And like, everybody knows she was pregnant. You can't hide a pregnant woman. Well, just think about, like, Egyptian patrols walking through and just randomly hearing a baby cry. Yep. Right? Like, I don't know. Like, there, that's got to be tough. It takes immense faith for her to keep that baby. Yeah. But she also knows that it's not in the character of God to kill the baby. Yeah. And so her faith... Her, her intuition, her faith, her convictions lead her to do something very radical as a mother. And interestingly enough, as the story unfolds, Moses is found. He's actually not called Moses until the end of this narrative. I'm calling him Moses because that's how we know him, but his, he's unnamed at this point. Yeah. Um, he's found by basically the king of Egypt's daughter, Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter. And his sister's around, and his sister says, hey, do you want me to go get a wet nurse for the baby? Because obviously she can't nurse him. And Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, please. And of course, who is Moses' sister going to run to go get? Her own mother. The mother of the child. The biological mother of the child. And that's the thing I think that's so amazing about the story is that the faith of Moses' mother led to the restoration and reunification of her household. There, and then even further than that, the restoration of an entire people. Mm. Yeah, because Moses ends up leading the charge for the restoration of the Israelites. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Women play an important role, especially moms. <laughs> that's a really good point. Yeah, her her faith leads to the restoration and redemption of an entire people group. Yep. That's a really good point. Um, but I love that, that 
that faith, even in light of these weird and crazy circumstances that, that seem insurmountable, yeah. her faith leads to immense restoration. Absolutely. And that story sticks out to me. You know, I come from a broken family, got a lot of trauma in my childhood. I love the idea of mothers being people of faith and of immense faith to the point that their faith leads to restoration. I mean, I know our own, our own mother, um, there's not a doubt in my mind that it's because of her faith that I'm pastoring this church. I had so much trauma and brokenness and was running from God at every turn. It's because of her and dad's faith Oh, for sure. That that I'm a pastor, that I'm a person of faith, that that I am who I am today. There, there, yeah, I have to second that. There, there's so many times in life that I felt broken and distraught and like I didn't know what to do next. Yeah. And mom, her faith has always been, and, and dad too, right? But Right now we're talking about moms. We'll yeah, rehash yeah, yeah. this on Father's Day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, dad, dad could be included in this, but this is about moms. Yeah, we're we can rehash this on Father's Day, but um, she got me from point to point. Yeah, it, when I was broken and I knew nothing else, she was there for me to lean on. Yeah, for sure. Um, and her faith carried both of us. <laughs> yeah. Right, like, yeah. Um, I I don't know. It's like her faith carried me in the basket. Yeah. Um, because, I, I, I does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I I don't know. I think for for me, when I read this story, I see two things. The first thing I see is, ladies, you're amazing. Oh yeah, you're capable of amazing things of great magnitude. I mean, this, the faith of this one woman, as Clayton said, led to the restoration of an entire nation. Yeah. Um, Don't miss that. That's extremely important. And so you are capable of great things. And I want to get pretty forward here and I'm not going to, I'm going to, Take, I'm in three deep breaths. Those are pretty shallow. How dare any man hold back a woman? Uh, yeah, so I'm not even going to take those three yeah, deep breaths. Yeah. Like, no, that is called oppression, and yeah. that is wrong and unethical, and you should never do that. Yeah, how dare we ever attempt to hold down one of God's people based on their gender? Um. All right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to give away my sermon series over the summer. Um, So that's the first thing I see here. And the second thing I see here is, ladies, hear me. Even if you somehow feel less than because you are, quote, unquote, only a stay-at-home mom, don't ever let that don't ever let yourself go there that you are somehow less than or inferior to working women because this woman stayed at home 
and led to the restoration of an entire people group because she was home. Remember, the reason that Moses was supposed to be killed in the first place was because a man was oppressing women. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and we want you to know, moms and women alike, um, even if you're not a mom, but we, we just want you guys to know, um, we love you, we appreciate you, we see you. You are seen and you are heard. And you are affirmed Yep. here at this church, Yep. in this community. We yep. love you. Yep. And I would encourage you, if there is men in your life that are oppressing you, don't stand for it. And men, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's the deal. Um, uh, well, I'll, hold on. I'm not done. All right. go ahead, Get your soapbox. Bro. I'm not go done. Ahead. Because when you allow that to happen, not only are you limiting yourself, but you're limiting what God can do through you. Yeah. Clearly, God can use you for great and amazing things as we see in this text. Yeah. It just takes the faith and the courage to stand up and say no. Yeah, absolutely. The thing I want to end here with is, and I briefly talk about it in the story, but I can't imagine that it's an easy thing for Moses' mother to lay him in a basket and put him in the river. Mm. That's why she leaves his her daughter, his sister, behind to see what would happen to him. Because what, what if an Egyptian caravan finds him and kills him, right? I mean, it's not an easy thing. It's not foolproof. No. Um, it was solely based on faith. It's based on faith. It's 100% based on faith. And here's what I love. Beyond the fact that her faith leads to the restoration of an entire people group, God rewards her faith. Mm. She Not only does she get the restoration of her son to her, yeah. she gets to raise him, and she gets a financial blessing. Mm. Pharaoh's daughter says, um, what is this? Gives me chills. Uh, in, in verse 9, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse it for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. She gets, because of her faith, not only does she get to raise her child, not only does she get to have the restoration of her family unit, and not only does she get to raise the child that would be the leader of the restored people of God, mm. but she receives a financial blessing because of her faith. And then, as difficult as it is, after she's raised this boy, she gives him back to Pharaoh's daughter, a lady, his second mother, who can give him a life that she never dreamed of. Yeah. All because she had immense faith. And immense faith leads to deeds of faith and acts of faith and acts of restoration of immense magnitude.